Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Um, today we're going to talk about feeling like a burden. Like a burden. Woo! Just for the very first time. Yeah, like a burden. Feel your heart beat uh, next to my and like a all right, all right. That uh, we, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I've been sick for the last eleven days. I'm in bed right now recording this podcast. You just you could tell I sound a little nasally. I got a bunch of uh, medicine flowing through. I'm not myself, people. I'm not responsible for anything that I say on the episode today. But of course, we always want to start off every podcast with. The 1-800-S-U-I-C-I-D-E. Call the number. Call someone to talk to them. Share your thoughts. Share your feelings. Uh, There's always someone somewhere ready to hear what you have to say. Um, There is uh, 1-800-273-TALK. Or 1-800-273-8255. There's a teen line. There's the Trevor Project for the LGBTQ. So if you're dealing with those issues, there's a number. 1-866-488-7386. The Trevor Project. If you're dealing with domestic violence, 1-800-799-SAFE. S-A-F-E. Um, and if you just, you can even text connect the word C O N N E C T to seven, four, one, seven, four, one. And like I said, there's always someone to talk to, to chat with, to email free services, 24 hour services, pick up the phone, call someone, talk to a family member. But right now we are talking and I'm glad you guys made it to another episode. This is great. This is dope. We're still here. We're in the game. And so that's what it's about. You know, I I've always I when I was in college, I would play um college football, EA Sports on a PlayStation, and I was always trying to win every down. Like like Every second of the game, I was trying to win the game as opposed to just winning the down, winning the series, winning the day, so to speak. You know, you ever like try to accomplish everything you want to in your life in one day, right? Like it's it's ridiculous. It's overwhelming. It's insanity and nothing gets done. You're pooped by noon or two or four or five. Um, and so I want you guys to don't try to win the your life. Don't try to get it all done today. Break it down into bite-sized bits, right? Chew it slowly. Take a little nibble. We're trying to, you know, you ever watch a lion devour uh, a bison 
or a, a, a land or whatever, whatever they're out there devouring caribou. You don't eat the whole thing at once. You take little bits and pieces, they drag it off somewhere, and they eat it over time. This is a marathon. Life's a marathon. Break it down. Slow things down. You know, as a personal trainer, when I'm, I'm working with clients, they there's a moment where I could tell that they're really tired and that they're just over it because then they get sloppy. And when we get sloppy, that's when we start hurting ourselves. Uh, or, you know, that's when we increase the risk for injury. So if you're in a, if you're in a space, if you're spiraling down right now with drugs, alcohol, uh, sex, porn, food, uh, television if you're if you're in a place where you're just binge watching and distracting and um just avoiding life then chances are you're just trying to do too much you know it's it's so easy to look at someone who hasn't been doing you know quote unquote just laying around all day and be like that person's lazy or that person's depressed it could just be you're trying to do too much you feel like you have to do more and you have to do um, and just slow it down. Slow things down. Ask yourself, what, what are one to three important things that have to be done today? Get those done and then give yourself permission to relax. Give yourself permission to, to have a cookie, to watch a TV show, right? As opposed to Oh my God, I can't believe I just watched five or 10 hours of this. Slow your life down. Slow things down. Listen, lock in, or just shut everything down. You know, that's, that's what I do when I feel overwhelmed. Um, but today's topic is what? What's today's? Oh, you know what? I want to read to you guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I want to read to you ladies and gentlemen that uh one of you know i love when i get the reviews on itunes this is beautiful people are really commenting uh and the review for this week comes from Catherine vw these podcasts have the potential to break us open to what really matters and to find that all along others hold the same feelings and experiences that we do this is the type of reality reality show that will lead to authentic and powerful communication and relationships. Thank you, Catherine VW. That's a beautiful, beautiful and wonderful uh, comment. And I truly, I'm, I'm optimistic that that is the case, that this podcast will lead to authentic and powerful communication, which I've already experienced uh, just from the messages from from you ladies and gentlemen and um and friends and family and colleagues and uh, after the shows, before the shows, it's been amazing. Speaking of shows, I will be at the Philadelphia Punchline this weekend, uh, what, the 18th and 19th, Philadelphia uh, Improv, because this podcast is, I'm recording it today, Wednesday, and it'll be up Thursday, so it gives you time to get tickets if you're in the Philadelphia area. Come check out the show. All right. So 
today's topic is is very relevant to me. And as I was researching what it's like to feel like a burden, I realized that um, I felt like that to my mom as a kid. I remember as a kid thinking, and I, I had to be like nine, ten years old, that my mom would be able to do so much more with her life had she not had us. And up until I started doing research for today's podcast, I thought that um, it was just about money. I thought like my my issue uh, regarding my mom was like, man, you know, she's making a lot of sacrifices. She sure would have more money. And I always looked at it from a money perspective, but I never thought about it as uh, as it, it came from me feeling like I was a burden to my mother. And when I look back at everything that I've done as a youth, it was to make sure I was not a burden. If there was a problem, uh, I tried to fix it myself. Um, I tried to, you know, if I was sick, I just fought through it because I didn't, I didn't want my mom to have to, you know, deal with me being sick, knowing she was working, you know, so many jobs and, and doing her best and putting me, my sister and myself, um, or my sister and me through, uh, private school. And, and I just, I did not want to feel like a burden. I didn't want to feel like I, I was taking up more space than, uh, was needed, which was great. Cause I had my, my own room. So I knew I could be there. Um, but I'm just, it's weird at the age of 42, I'm just realizing that like, you know, every, everything that I've done is to not feel like a burden. And I also realize that even in a relationship, I was talking to some friends the other day and they're like, man, Leo, you're 42 and still single. And, you know, why don't you? And I realize I do not want to feel like a burden in a relationship, meaning like I'm making good money, but I I want more of a cushion to ensure that I can provide. I've always felt like I need to protect and provide for whoever's in my circle. And I I don't financially feel like, I don't want to make this about me, but I feel like there are other people out there who uh, may feel like this and maybe in different respects or different regards. But, you know, I've, I've dated women who've had more money than me and I felt like a burden. I felt, and I felt insecure, like, man, I, I'm not pulling my weight. You know, she was making $5 more than myself. You know, she could be making a, a dollar more an hour or, you know, just whatever, always. And it could, and part of it is, you know, I recognize this society is like the man teaching, um, you know, it's like the man's a provider. You know, Chris Rock has this great joke where, he says uh, a, a woman's uh, is valued based on um, like when a when a when a man asks uh, another man about a girl he just met, he asks like, "What does she look like?" 
right? When I'm asking, when my boys tell me they meet a girl, I'm like, yo, what she look like? When a woman asks another woman about a guy that she just met, she asks, what does he do? And that is, and I've, and that is, that's the truth. He's like a man's worth is based on what he's able to provide, he's able to give. And I feel like um, I, I wouldn't feel secure in a relationship if I was entering in not really feeling like I could financially provide if, you know, something went, went south. You know, I've met women who are like, no, nah, it's not a big deal, but it it is. Come on. It's not a big deal for the man to make more than a woman because society accepts that. But for the end, and I'm not trying, I don't want to sound, I'm not coming off as like, um, I hope this doesn't come off as like uh, sexist or misogynistic. I believe in equality, but I'm just talking about the feeling. I'm talking about what it feels like based on my upbringing, what it feels like based on the messages I've received, what it feels like based on uh, what you see in the media and entertainment. You know, in the movies, the man is usually the provider. And if the woman is a provider, it's usually seen in a, in a negative light. And at the age of 42, I don't think there's anything that's going to, I don't think there's anything that's going to change that uh, for me. I have some friends who have no problem uh, being with a woman who is, you know, the, the breadwinner. And I wish I emotionally could get past that, but it's it's man. She'd have to be a special woman for me to be like, all right, all right. I'm just gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find a way to deal with my emotions and my feelings and go to therapy. And you know, maybe I have to call one of these phone numbers, which very well may be the case. Um, but you know. The point is that people can feel like a burden in relationships. They can feel like a burden at work. They can feel like a burden um, uh, in 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 their family. You know, there's I've seen these movies where it's like you know the the husband and wife are struggling financially, and there's five kids, and you know the kids are like, man, we got to do something, or uh, the, the the kids try to help out so that. You know, they can, so that the parents don't have to do as much. You just see it play out in so many different ways. Um, so today we're going to talk about how to not, how to get past that mentally and psychologically, that feeling of, uh, of being a burden, you know, because, you know, and the first thing is to realize you're not a burden. And this is for me too. So I want to I let you guys know. I'm in on this, so I'm listening to the information, I'm taking it in, um, that you're not a burden, you're a blessing, you're a benefit. Because the truth is, like, people who are who are with you, who hang out with you, who who call you, who you have dinner with, like, who the companies that hire you, they're with you for a reason. Sorry if there's, like, if you can hear a lot of, let me fix this real quick. All right. So they're with you for a reason. And and it's they're not, it's not always going to be clear to you why. And when I say with you for a reason, meaning the things that you value are not going to be the things that 
they value in terms of why they're with you. So you could be, you know, you could be with someone uh, for because of A, B, and C, but they could be with you for D, E, and F. And those two things don't have to align. And a lot of times I think what happens is we think the things that we value are the things that other people value also. It's like, well, if I value a clean house, then they must value a clean house. Like, who wouldn't want a clean house? But some people like to live in slop and mess. And, you know, I had a friend who I, um, when I was doing shows in Vegas, I, I stopped by her room unannounced, or not unannounced, but she knew I was coming up. And, but her stuff was all over the place. And she was like, that's right. This is what living looks like. Like, she owned it, you know? And, like, when she comes, when she came to my room, room was, you know, every, like, I put clothes in a drawer. Uh, all my stuff in the in the bathroom is, is neatly lined up. Um, you know, the towels are where they're supposed to be. The bed is made, like, everything is, is cleaned up. It's, it's like, I'm always expecting uh, company over. But that part of that comes from my upbringing is when you have somebody over to your house, you clean it up. You don't have, uh, like, I couldn't let anybody in the house when I was a kid unless I made sure that it was picked up and cleaned up and everything like that. And then you could let them in. And all my friends, we were all raised the same. Like, I would go to their house, and you couldn't step foot in their house unless it was cleaned up. So my point is is that if you're in a relationship or you're in a job and you feel like you're a burden, it's because you don't recognize your 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 benefit, your blessing to the company, to your relationship. And and there's nothing wrong with asking. Hey, why why did you guys hire me? Why uh you know, why why you know, what is it that you uh like about me or like about us? You know, maybe that's even an even stronger question instead of making it about you specifically. Say, hey, what do you, what is it about our dynamic that you think works? What do you what is it about our collaboration that uh, allows us to thrive? You know, it, make it more about uh, the both of you, uh, the team, than maybe about you, and and ask them, and then you'll and I'm sure you'll be surprised at their response, at their answer, at what you hear, because it's going to be different than why you want to be in a relationship and why you want the job. You could be with the job for money and, you know, and the job could want you for your expertise or your ability to uh, teach other people or for your experience, whatever, whatever the reason is. Um, it's going to be different reasons on both sides. So recognize that you are a blessing a benefit, not a burden, right? And uh, and if you feel like, if you feel like you're a burden, right? Um, create a gratitude list. Like you know what? Here's what I'm I'm grateful for. I feel like a burden, but I'm very grateful for A, B, and C. And that will take and alleviate some of that pressure of feeling like a burden. And ask yourself, 
what and ask yourself what you're bringing to the table like why why do they want to be with you why do they value you you know independent of what their response is come up with your own answers because you'll be surprised that as you start to write that list that you know it'll you'll you'll start to generate you go from one thing to five things to 10 things and and you'll be surprised at all the the ideas and reasons and the thoughts you come up with as to why uh, you're a benefit and a blessing in and within the relationship that you have to the job that you have, right? Um, so make that list. Ask yourself because it's so easy for us to come up with reasons why someone uh, would break up with us, why we're a burden, why it should end. Uh, but it, it really takes work. It takes focus. It takes uh, a, a moment of silence to come up with reasons uh, why we should stay and why we're a benefit, not a bless uh, and um, not a burden. Right. So make that list, boys and girls, why you're a benefit, why you're a blessing, not a burden. And, and you'll be shocked. Um the other thing to keep in mind, number number two, uh, remember, anybody can handle your rainbows. Not everybody can handle your clouds. So, you know, you don't want to be around people who just want to be around you when things are good. When you uh, when you got your paycheck, when you're when you're killing it, uh, you know, uh, you lost 50 pounds, whatever it is, you don't want to be around people. Who or you know when you're drinking, there there are people who just hang around you, you know. Oh, when you're when you're drunk, because then you know you're the life of the party, even though um, it's not good for you because now you're risking a DUI or showing up for uh, work late the next morning or being yelled at by your spouse. So you don't want to be around people who are just objectifying you and using you when when you're at your peak and at your bless at your best. And then when you are uh, in the low of lows and you're struggling and you feel off, all of a sudden they're nowhere to be found. Or if you do talk to them, they make you feel bad for feeling bad. You have, you have those people in your life where you you know you call them and you know and you you're sharing with them what you're going through, and they're like, well, "Why are you calling me with this?" And man, you're always next. You know, it's like. Cut those people out of your life who only want to hear the good news and when things are great because they're really not your then they don't really have your back, you know, and and I say cut them out your life. But, you know, just be aware of who those people are. So then, you know, that those are people that you really can't call in times of crisis. You know, not everybody Let me tell you this. Not everyone is a first responder. Okay? Write that down. Not everyone, I don't know how I'm telling you, write that down. Not everyone is a first responder. First responders, okay, in 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 literally are people who respond to a crisis situation without question. They don't care who it is, where it is, uh the age, the sex, the race. There are no judgments. They see someone needs help and they are there. A lot of people aren't built like that. A lot of people are like, well, 
you know, why they get in an accident, uh, why she in jail, uh, you know, uh, why she, why does she turn up? Like they had all these questions before they show up and, and take care of the crisis situation. You don't, you know, be aware, take note of the, the first responders in your life. And if you don't have any, that's what therapists are. They don't judge you. You call them. These chat lines, the one eight hundred suicide. Those are first. Those are people who are going to listen to you. That no matter what you've done, what you said, uh, how you feel, they are first responders. They're there. Their purpose is to handle crisis situations, and they will get you through it. They will talk you through it. They will hold your hand. So make note. Take note of those first responders in your life and take note of the people who aren't maybe they're third responders or fourth responders i have people i have friends who i know aren't first responders they're not built for crisis situations however they do serve a purpose not everybody should be a first responder some people are better uh, uh, as uh, the, the operators who connect you with the first responders, right? So you have those friends who they're not going to come help you, but they may send someone to help you or give you a resource, a phone number, or be like, why don't you check this out or why don't you do this? They help you flesh out your options, but they're not necessarily going to help you. So, <coughs> oh, man, man, let me tell you about this cold right here. It, you know, it's interesting because even with me having this cold, I've had so many friends like, hey, man, let me uh, bring you some chicken soup and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nah, I'm good because I, I don't want to be a I don't want people to drive all the way across the city to give Leo Flowers some uh, some chicken soup. But I realized I should because people love to help. And if you're shutting people out of your life because you don't want to feel like a burden, then people will stop offering help. And then you'll look up one day and be like, man, nobody uh, is helping me or ever wants to help me or offers. And I want to help everybody, but I don't get it. And you don't and you forget about the million of millions of times that when people did offer to help, you're like, nah, I'm good. I got this. Don't worry about it. I don't want to be a burden. And then after a while, you keep people feel rejected. That's the other thing you have to realize. When we're telling people no and we got it and I don't need the help, it makes a person feel rejected and and like their their assistance isn't wanted. And so then they stop asking because nobody, no one likes to feel rejected or turned down for any reason. Right. So accept the help. Accept the assistance, accept the hand, the food, the unemployment, the 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 conversation. Take it all in. It's there for a reason. You don't have to go at this alone. Right. As I sit here in my room and I'm like, I'm recording this podcast all by myself, all by myself. Um. All right, so remember, anyone can handle your rainbows, but it takes a special person to handle your clouds 
right? And those are those first responders. Make a list of the people in your life that you know you can contact. They'll pick you up from the airport. They'll hear your sob story. You know, I have a, I have some very good friends in my life. I feel fortunate to have those people who I feel like are definite first responders uh, and their family and their friends. Um, and it feels amazing to have that. And I, I'm bad at using um, any of them. I'm always, no, no, I got this. So I, I'm listening to the advice, people. I'm, I'm I just got to, I got to do it. All right. The other thing is, um, there are, look, so sometimes we feel like we're not, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my notes. I, I got really crazy notes, right? Um, remember the fact that you feel like a burden is already evidence. The fact that you feel guilty for being a, is evidence that you are not a burden. Right. The fact that you feel it means that you are taking steps, you're doing things so to to alleviate the weight, to make sure that, um, you know, you're you're pulling your weight. And it doesn't have to be. <clears throat> a lot of us have this tit for tat mentality, you know, like I was talking about, you know, relationships earlier of uh well you know if she puts in five i need to put in five or i need to put in i really feel like i need to put in six or ten or whatever um and life isn't like that you know if we're lucky it gets to be like that but the truth of the matter is is people just want to see effort people just want to see that you are doing your best uh, you know, you're getting up and you're looking for a job every day. You're sending out emails. You're networking. You're going to the gym. You're eating right. Like you are being productive. You're making great use of your time. People want to, and they people can sense that. People can sense that you're out there hustling and you're and you're you're working to get things done. I almost said trying, but but uh, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast, I'm working on eliminating trying from my vocabulary. I like to say uh, working on or, or focusing. Anyway, so people is not about where you are. People just want to know that you are working on something. And it's not even about other people, to be honest. It's about you. You setting a standard for your life, for your day, for your week, for the month, right? That's what it's really about. And and if you feel like a burden, it could be more that you are not, you're either trying to do too much in a day, like like you're like, well, man, I had 10 things planned, only got three things done, so clearly I'm not doing enough. But you, you've set yourself up for failure. You're not going to get 10 things done in a day. That That's, you know, Unless you like you have uh, an assistant, and even with assistants, it's hard to get. I live in L.A. Like you can't drive all over the place, and sometimes people aren't there to take your phone call, or sometimes you're on hold for a few hours if you're trying to, you know, get your taxes done. So maybe the the truth is you're set already setting yourself up to feel like a failure because you're trying to do too much in a day. So narrow it down, get it down to a few things that'll make you feel accomplished, that'll make you feel powerful, that'll make you feel uh, like you're contributing and a part of the team, right? So 
remember, like, I don't know why I just blanked out. The, the cough medicine is kicking in. Um, the next thing to consider, and this is a big one. I, I this is this is huge. Sometimes we don't ask for help because, uh, you know, somebody says yes, and we go, "Oh man, such a burden." But remember this: people will say no if it's too much for them. You, it's not for you to decide what is too much for the other person. That's not your decision. You don't know that other person. You don't know what drives and motivates that other person. Some people are driven by helping other people. Some people are just motivated by knowing that they're taking care of someone else. Some people, it feeds their ego to be like, yeah, you know, when he needed somewhere to to crash, he could crash at my place. I let him crash on the couch. I took care of him. I got him back on his feet. Some people thrive and live for those moments. Um, I have a friend. She's a caretaker, and she she and she loves it. It's her her when somebody is sick or needs something, she loves. It makes her feel like a superwoman, like she could just jump into action. So remember. It's not for you to decide what is too much for the other person. They will say no if if somebody if you ask somebody for fifty dollars and they only have twenty, they're gonna tell you I'm not I don't, I can't give you fifty dollars. They're not they just can't just magically create the other thirty dollars to give you. And same thing with energy. If they don't have the energy to give to the task that you're asking, they will tell you no. If they don't have the time. They will tell you no because they can't manufacture those things, right? So you have to trust that the people you're asking and that their response is coming, it's all coming from a good place, right? Um, unless you're in prison, then that's a whole other, it's a whole other, so then you got to read 48 Laws of Power and and, 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 prepare, your, and prepare your mind, get your mind right. Um, now, if you do ask somebody for, um, if you do feel like you are a burden, right, because you're going through a tough time, the th- here's the thing to say, and this is great. This is uh, from Psychology Today. Say this. I'm in a rough place right now, and I don't want to overburden you. Can I trust you to let me know if you need space? End quote. I think that's such a great question i'm going to read it again because i think a lot of us don't even create that opportunity for the other person right and 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 uh and create space for that type of conversation so once again i'm in a rough place right now and i don't want to overburden you can i trust you to let me know if you need space and question mark uh question mark end quote such a powerful question because you're doing so many things you're letting them know that you're in a rough place which you're also telling them it's temporary where you're at is temporary and this isn't not and this isn't normal this isn't par for the course right um and then on the flip side you're giving them permission to communicate with you when it becomes too much because it's because i because it's 
it's understandable that that would be your fear of when it becomes too much, they don't say anything. Because a lot of people are people pleasers. So that is a very real and valid concern. But by asking that question, by stating that up front, um, it's such a great question. I'm going to say it one more time. Quote, I'm in a rough place right now, and I don't want to overburden you. Can I trust you to let me know if you need space? Question mark, end quote. Uh, I don't know why I said question mark, end quote. That's ridiculous. Um, But try that. Say that. Have that conversation with people. This is, you know, um, I've, you know, struggling out here in in Los Angeles and, 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 trying to get on my feet. I've, I've lived with people that crashed on couches. And I've said to them up front, listen, whenever you're ready for me to, to go, just tell me and uh, I, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll be gone in a week. Um, you know, just, just give me a few days. No, just, don't, just don't wake me up in the middle. Because I've had that happen when I first moved out here. People were just like, uh, can you not just come back? <laughs> uh, and it, I mean, it sounds, it sounds horrible, but look at where I'm at now. So, you know, every, every, uh, every pain is an opportunity for growth and for learning and, uh, and for expansion. So I'm thankful for everything that's happened, uh, through my life because it's, uh, given me a lens to see the world, how I see it now. And uh, to be here talking to you guys, providing this awesome, dope content. Come on. Um, all right. So ask that question, right? Um, your pain, what, 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 me or my fears. So another thing to consider is in terms of not feeling like a burden, right? Ask yourself, what's going to dictate your life? Is it going to be your fear or you, right? Like if you fear being a burden, then really what happens is, is that you, you tend, we tend to shrink. You're shrinking. You're not showing up. You're shrinking and warping and deforming yourself to and playing small because you don't want to feel like a burden. And who does that benefit? No one. Because if you're playing small, if you're shrinking, if you're hiding, if you're if you're uh, warping your body, if you're trying to just fit into any little that that serves nobody, and it definitely doesn't help you in the long run, right? So you have to have the conversation with yourself of what is going to what's going to rule over your life what's going to be your north star is it going to be your fear of being a burden or is it going to be your mission your purpose your your reason for getting up in the morning like have that written down what is your purpose what is your mission and be so laser focused on that that you're not that you thinking about being a burden is second or or third, you know, for example, in relationships, um, if, you know, me as, uh, 
if if one person is not making as much money as the other person, right? Well, you could spend your time thinking about that and thinking about the fact that the other person is paying the bills, or you can focus on the work so that you can then become a, a equally contributing partner. You can you can focus on maybe I have to get up earlier in the morning to do some work, and maybe I got to stay up later at night, and maybe I have to skip the movies. Like, focus on your mission. Focus on the purpose. Focus on the bigger picture. And then you're driven. You're, you're purpose-driven. You're mission-driven. You're a Navy SEAL. You're, you're LRP. You are, um, you know, what are those? Um, I forget what the other top branches of the, uh, not, not Marine, but the, the, the branches of the Marine, not Navy SEALs. That's gonna, it is Navy SEALs, but there's some other groups. Anyway, uh, you're, you're the New England Patriots. You are, you have a mission, you have a purpose, and you're laser focused on that. And the more you focus on that and work on that, the less you're thinking about whether or not you're a burden, right? And, and then the people around you, and then here's, here's, here's what will happen also. People will start to, as they see you putting in that work and that effort, they will start to gel around you and help push you forward even faster and more exponentially. People love to be a part of a movement. They love to be a part of progress, of innovation, of growth, of change. And, and some people will jump on early, some people will jump on later, but everybody wants to jump on that train. Everybody wants to be a part of, oh yeah, you know, it's like when you see these celebrities that make it, all of a sudden all their family members, uh, you know, jump out the woodworks. Like, yeah, you wouldn't be nowhere without me, you know, I used to babysit you when you was, when you was two, give me, give me a hundred thousand dollars, you know, that kind of thing. So, Know that um, your mission, your purpose should be guiding you. You should wake up, read it, read, write down your mission, write down your purpose before you go to bed. And then, and, and, and then read it first thing in the morning, read it at lunch, read it before you go to bed every night and, and do that. So you're f- more focused on what you're, you're getting done and it focused on the bigger picture than this this uninteresting um, thing that we call a burden, right? We're focused on what to do to alleviate the burden versus on feeling like a burden. Because we all know that our feelings, we can't trust our feelings. Not all the time. They're feelings. We have to unpack them. We have to, we have to dig through them. We have to explore them and, and ask them questions and why am I feeling, you know, you, you know, it's just like when you uh, get a hunger, when you get a craving for something, is it that you're really craving salt and or sugar, or is it that you're dehydrated, or is it that you have a mineral deficiency? Um, do you really want to watch, binge watch three hours of television, or do you really want to ask for a raise? Like, is it a distraction, right? So the way we feel, feel about something how many times have you 
you thought somebody felt a certain way about you. And then later you found out it's not even true in a good way. I mean, sometimes you find out it's not true in a bad way. But the, the point is, is that I, I'm often shocked at how reality differs from how I perceived it or felt about it. So, um, I forgot where I was. Oh, so get very clear on uh, what's guiding your decisions. Is it your fear or is it your mission, your purpose, why you're here, right? That's a beautiful thing. All right, and one other thing. Uh, I forgot. I feel like I did it. Um, so this is big, and this is the last thing, okay? I feel like nothing good is permanent or safe, so nothing bad is permanent or safe either. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we feel like a, a burden because we go, anything that's good uh, is not permanent and it's not safe. Anything that's, so that has to mean, if you feel like that, that means that anything that's bad isn't permanent or safe either. So whatever your, whatever your situation is that you feel like, you know, uh, is making your burden, just recognize that that's not permanent. You're, you're, wherever you are in life right now, is not permanent. However you feel right now is not permanent. There's so many times where I have so much, there have been moments where I have so much energy and I and in my head, I can't imagine the feeling ever going away. But guess what? It does. It does go away. Just like the moments where uh, I'm sleepy and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sleepy. I ain't gonna never feel awake again. And then, uh, I get sleep and then I feel rested or, um, you know, I'm anxious and I'm like, oh my God, this anxiety will never, but it does. You're happy. You're like, oh, I want to feel like this forever, but it doesn't last forever. So good or bad, never last forever. Your, your situations, even if you have a chronic condition, right? So some of you may have some medical issues where you have someone taking care of you because, you know, I was watching this uh, documentary about this guy with ALS and his wife has, and he's been in bed. He's been bedridden. He was a football player. Imagine this, a football player, professional football player, uh, you know, at peak physical condition, optimal uh, physical condition, and now has ALS in bed unable to move, take care of himself. He can't eat, poop, turn over, anything. He can't do anything without assistance, without somebody physically, manually uh, turning him, feeding him, wiping him. And, and he's been like this for years. And there are moments in the documentary, and I, I can't remember the name of it, where he's just bawling his eyes out and he's crying. And... Um, uh, he uh, he feels he feels like a burden. He checks in with his wife. He goes, "Is this too much for you? Are you not attracted to me anymore?" Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And you know she's playing a good wife role, but you could tell it's you know. And she shares just like she's like sometimes it's too much, which it would be too much for anybody. But what's really important is that they continue 
to communicate with each other about how they feel so that it doesn't stay bottled up and that he's just not in his head about, I'm sure she feels like this and and she's not in her head like, I'm sure he feels like this. It's like to keep that communication going, to continually check in with each other and and it's just and it just keep that keep it flowing. So I forget, man, my brain is so not sharp right now. Um oh, but the point is is that uh the situation even though he, you know, his ALS is a permanent thing, the way he feels about it still continues to change from day to day. Some days he has good days. Sometimes there are great days where they, they share a laugh and a smile and, you know, it's just things are just flowing. And then some days are just horrible and miserable where, you know, I'm sure they both wish it would just come to an end. And But just to recognize that that's a part of the ebb and flow of life where I don't care what kind of job you have, there are just days where you're like, I don't want to be here today. And that's fine. I don't want to do this. You know, people who are in a phenomenal shape, they have days where they don't want to go to the gym. And, you know, they have six packs and, um, and you know, they're, they're shredded and ripped and they're fitness professionals. And, but they have their days where they're just like, I don't want to do this. But that's a feeling. It's not that they can't do it. It's that they just don't feel like doing it. And they push through that. And, uh, and and find a way to do it so so that they, they keep the momentum uh, going, right? Because it is very easy to give in to. Yeah, I have to be honest with you. I didn't feel like doing a, a recording a podcast today. I, I was so <coughs> fighting this cold. Uh, I had a, a long day today. But I was like, man, it's going to get, if I, if I miss this, it's going to get too easy to start missing ones in the future. And I don't, and and I'm not going to develop that habit. And I'd I'd rather maintain the momentum that I have going. And I also know that it makes me feel amazing and great to report these and to share these thoughts and ideas uh, with you all. So I really appreciate you all listening and, and giving me a purpose and a mission, uh, with my life. So, you know, we talked about work, we talked about health, we talked about, um, and, and if for kids, if, you know, if there are any kids listening and, and you feel like a burden, you know, to your parents, uh, to your friends, uh, you know, like I said, write down what you're great at. Is it poetry? Is it singing? Is it art? Is it science? Like, what do you bring to the table and, and not just to your group of friends or to your family, but to the world? What is it that you want to give to the world, whether it's a smile or uh, gratitude? Because here's the thing. There are people in your life, and I'm talking to everyone now. There are people in your life who are thriving and benefiting off of your existence that you're not aware of. I'm going to say that again. There are people in your life who are thriving and are benefiting and are growing and are inspired by you that you're not even aware of. I have a nine-year-old nephew. 
And my nine-year-old nephew is so dope. He does uh, martial arts. He speaks a few languages. I think he speaks uh, Korean, Spanish, and English. Um, and he's just sharp as a tack. And I am inspired by him. And not, you know, how many people say they're inspired by, uh, you know, children, uh, especially a nine-year-old. But I'm inspired. Like, I look at him and I go, there's so much more I can do with my life. And he's so excited about everything. And I and it just fuels me to be like, look, look at all the stuff that I'm worried about. But it, through his eyes, when I look at the world through his eyes, I see a much bigger world and a world that's capable of uh, progressing and doing so much more. And and just because he's a part of it and I'm excited to see, you know, what more he contributes. Because just his, like I said, when I say more, his presence already is is fueling me and keeping me alive and 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 his sister and his mother. And and I, I just can't imagine he, he's the type of kid who, when you meet him and you come into contact with him, you just you feel better and you're like, man, that's a great kid. And it just just your presence alone is fueling somebody. So and, and no matter what you've done, I don't care if you've been to jail. I don't care what your your rap sheet is. I don't care what people have said about you. There are people who look up to you because of what you went through. There are people who look up to you because of of what you stand for. There are people who look up to you and are benefiting from you because of of the things you say, the ideas that you have, and and this and you know, unfortunately, they'll never tell you. You'll never hear it. Uh, if you do hear it, it could you know it could be years after they've long gone. But just know that that is a thing. There's so many people like. You know, I live in Los Angeles and when I go for a walk, um, the energy that some people give off uh, or couples give off or families that just boosts my day. It just gives me a little gives me a, it's like a little B12 shot, a little pew. And I, and I, you know, I, and I never go, man, your energy is so amazing. Sometimes I'll say it to people. I'll say your energy is so amazing. Thank you for having that energy. It makes me feel great and, and, and it makes me pull my shoulders back and stand up uh, a little taller. Um, I say it to men, women. I never said it to a, a kid because that just looks weird. But say that to people. And, and here's what you'll find also is when you have a friend who's very good at complimenting people, and he's just very honest. He's like, I love your energy or I love what you're wearing or blah, blah, blah. Just a good person. As you start to do that, you'll start to notice, you know, instead of the attention being on you and being a burden, you'll start to notice uh, other people's greatness and other people's light. And then people will want to be around you more and help you more. And you'll feel like you're a part of something as opposed to separate or isolated from it. So remember, you know, what we what we feed grows. So if we're feeding gratitude, if we're feeding appreciation, if we're feeding light, then we will get more light. Man, man, that was dope. I, I, I I'm on. I, you know, I got, I got that cough medicine in me, but, but I feel good about, 
what we just had there. Um, all right. So to to end the podcast, uh, to end the podcast, who says that? Listen, I I just want to say to everyone out there who's listening, um, thank you for your ear, thank you for your friendship. Um, I once again I'll be doing shows in Philly, the eighteenth and nineteenth, and then I'll be back in Vegas. At the at the Rio on uh, Monday the twenty first through the twenty seventh. Uh, if you're in Vegas during uh, in January, during that time, and uh, is there anything else I want to share with you kids? Uh, that wait now, hold on, hold on. I think there was something else I wanted to share with you guys. Ooh, Stephen. Oh, all right. Last thing. Man, I just, uh, so Steven Tyler was in the news, okay? And the headline reads, I'd be dead by now uh, if hadn't gotten sober. Now, it should be if I hadn't gotten sober, but his quote is, if hadn't gotten sober. Uh, So Steven Tyler, uh, if you don't know, is the Aerosmith singer. Uh, he's, He's one of the performers from Aerosmith. Um, and he's done a lot of drugs and he's on his fourth run of being clean. And the reason I want to highlight Steven Tyler is because he's a great example. He's 70 years old, 70 years old, and he's on his fourth run of being clean. Uh, this current run, he's nine years clean, sober, no drugs, no alcohol. And it's, it's a beautiful thing because it's a beautiful thing. It's a testament that if you fall off the horse, right, and you start doing drugs again, it's not the end of the world. Here he is at 70, still thriving, uh, nine years and counting. So you, it's part, remember, falling off the horse is part of the process. Relapsing, part of the process. That doesn't mean that we stay relapsed. That doesn't. That's not. I'm not giving you permission to relapse. I'm saying that don't beat yourself up and make the relapse worse by saying, "Well, I fell off, so I'm just going to stay off and I'm going to do all the drugs." And and that's how people overdose, right? They they go sober for a long time, and then uh, they start doing drugs again. They start and they start doing the drugs in the same amount that they had been doing before. No bueno. All right. So, um, and he said that, you know, he'd been doing weed since 65 and 66. And uh, his, uh, and every, he did every drug uh, that was imaginable. And he said one of his worries about getting sober, and I, and I think you find this with a lot of people who uh, struggle with drugs, is that, they fear that, like for him, he feared his creativity <coughs> would be impacted by his sobriety. So by him getting sober, he felt like he wouldn't be able to create great music and great work. And you hear that from a lot of creative people, uh, artists, even actors. I've heard actors say, oh, man, I'm afraid to go to therapy and really get my, uh, you know, you hear from co- comedians also that I'll lose my edge. I'll lose my edge. But really what, what happens is you gain an edge. Because 
what what you don't realize is that you've been looking at the world through um, a, a drug colored lens, right? And so you already know what that what the world looks like from that perspective. When you cl- clean up your act, you'll gain another perspective, and then somehow you can you can merge those two worlds because now you know both worlds, and that could create uh, a more compelling perspective more engaging uh uh art um and and something that's really riveting and uh uh noteworthy so don't be afraid of your sobriety hurting your creativity or hurting your relationships it's going to add nuance and texture and layer to it that's that's what it's going to do okay um yeah, a lot of people think, oh, alcohol, I can do so much. So so here's what he did to get sober. And uh, he uses the 12-step program to stay sober and goes to meetings all over the world because he travels a lot. So, you know, there are AA meetings in Afghanistan and Japan um, and, and all these different places. Um, and he says that in terms of relapses, he's like, quote, oh, sure, I have, yeah. I had some operations and I had my own medication. I kept it by the bed. I broke up with my girlfriend and there's the recipe. Booyah. That said, I'm going on my fourth run. So I've got nine years in December, which I'm very proud of. So, you know, he's very, he's, he has a lot of clarity on, um, the idea that, uh, his medical operations, the fact that they then gave him medication for his operations, and then uh, break up with his girlfriend, not having a loved one or someone to talk to or go through it with, uh, that sentiment to uh, his last drug relapse, right? Um, and you know, and he's not—he's not judgmental. He his words are: if someone can handle it, uh, God bless them. Who am I to tell someone what to do? It's a waste of time. When I was getting high, I had a lot of people tell me, "Would you effing sober up?" Did I listen to them? No. You're down the rabbit hole. You don't want to listen to anybody when you're um, on your own little journey. But he talks it all, end quote, but he talks it all up to a learning process and has no regrets. These moments, quote, these moments, I don't regret them. It was the greatest time. I'm just happy I survived, crawled out of the hole, end quote. All right. So there you have it. Get help. Steven Tyler's gotten help. He's 70. He's thriving. He's done all the drugs and and he's still going to meetings. It's about what are you practicing daily, right? Like he's not what I love is that his ego isn't so big to be like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I've I've been sober before. I got this. I could do this on my own." And and now he's like, "I don't need to go to meetings." No, he's like, "I still have to go to meetings." Like that's a part of his life, right? It's not just a little phase to until he stops doing drugs. It's like, no, for the rest of his life, he's accepted the fact that he needs these meetings to 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 um, to keep him on the straight and narrow. And no matter where he is in the world, he's not making any excuses. He's showing up. He's asking for help. He's getting help. And uh, just want to leave you which, uh, leave you guys with. So thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you. Um, you uh, comment and you rate and you share and I love hearing from you guys um, and I have some like I said I have some really cool things in store 
for you. We're going to have more guests on here. People really love the last one. With, if you haven't listened to the one with Mia Jackson, uh, check that out. It's a, it was really funny and engaging, and uh, she's super smart. And if you're just tuning in to the Before You Kill Yourself podcast, start off with the Suicide Toolbox, which is the very first one, where we're just talking about suicide in general and the stats and, uh, uh, you know, causes, preventative measures, uh, et cetera, et cetera, all those things surrounding uh, uh, suicide. So thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you journal, you exercise, you're reading, you're meditating, you're doing your self-talk, and you're showing up. Peace.